sermon illustration there. It's interesting how even when you're a superhero, you think it's all up to you. It's all up to you. It, 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 Spider-Man in this context felt like he was the rescuer. He was the one that was going to make it all right. He was going to make everything good. And it was all up to him. And then he goes and he does his superpower thing, spitting webs everywhere, and uh, ends up not working out. Ends up not working out. And I think today, I think one of the things that limits the church today is the superhero mentality. The superhero mentality. There's two things that we think we, we have to do. One, we think we have to be the superhero. That if we can't rescue the world, don't do anything. And if we can't match that power, if we can't match that result of rescuing the entire world, then why do anything? And on the other side of that, we feel like we could never be a superhero and do anything to make a difference. And there, there's this problem that happens in Christianity where I think too many of us believe that if we have, it, it, that everything is up to us, that everything is going to land on our responsibility, and we are not only responsible to act, but we are responsible for the result. In this case, I mean, Spider-Man messes up an entire, you know, fairy and splits it down the middle because of some uh, things that he thought he was more powerful than the enemy, and then the enemy causes problems, and then what does it take to fix it? Iron Man. We're, we're in a series called Why Not Us? Why not us? Why can't we be the ones who are experiencing something significant, powerful, we're making a difference in our world, but here's what happens with why not us. Most people say, not me. Not me. I can't do that. I can't be a part of that. I can't have that kind of influence. I can't make that kind of difference. I don't have that kind of power. I don't have, and we make more excuses for why we shouldn't be doing something than why we should. The whole series is about this. It's why not us. It's all about realizing that we must believe that God can do anything through us. Amen? Amen. God's work is not reserved for the special, the talented, or the extra gifted. It is available to the available, not just the able. Yeah. That's what this series is about. The series is about not you and me becoming Spider-Man and being able to spit webs everywhere and defeat all the, all the villains of the world. It's not about being Iron Man who comes to the rescue of Spider-Man. It's all about us, you and me, being available. Simply available. And not just available, but willing to do what happens when God says, I need you to do something. Our vision our vision, this whole series of this next seven weeks is all about the vision, going forward with the vision. If you weren't able to get a, a vision narrative, I want you to uh, uh, encourage you to grab one on your way out because we have a clear and, and understandable vision for this year, for these next 12 months. And we believe that God is leading us and guiding us. And this vision will be our guide and it'll be our map and, and it'll be our direction for this next year so that we can accomplish some great things in our obedience to God. 
And we have to understand that our vision is not about the condition of our world. We're not trying to respond to COVID or respond to our government or respond to the challenges of a tsunami that goes off in, in, uh, near Tonga in the, in the South Pacific. We're not trying to respond to those things. We have no control over those things in many cases. But we do have is a response to the condition of man's heart. That's what Jesus came for. That's why Jesus died. Not to solve all the political issues of the world or to make the world a better uh, 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 environment. Not to say that that's not valuable or it's not important to take care of our, our world and our environment or any of those other things. But his number one cause was to help man with their heart. You have to understand that without Jesus, our heart is wicked. No matter how good or bad the world is going, our heart will always be wicked without Jesus. Without Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sins, and the world is destined to hell. No matter what we do with our climate, no matter what we do with COVID, no matter what we do with the world and its circumstances, if we don't understand that Jesus forgives sins, people will go to hell. Without Jesus, a man's heart will never know peace or contentment. I can tell you one thing. It's such a joy to know that my sins are forgiven. My destiny is heaven. And I, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, I can have peace and contentment knowing that Jesus is in control of my life. And I will spend eternity with him. Without Jesus, man will never know love, never know true love. And it's for those reasons that we must understand, that we must ask the question, why not us? Why not me? Why can't I be the one that makes a difference in this world? Why can't I? And, and there is no, well, because. There is no. The, the only reason we can't is because we're not believing in the God that can. And I believe that the God, that God is able to do above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. For the, those reasons, we must reach with faith to accomplish great things for God. Every one of us in this room, every one of us online right now, if you're watching, you need to know that God has a plan to do great things through you, in you, and out of you. And we're going to see some amazing things. Have you ever used the phrase woulda, shoulda, coulda? Woulda, shoulda, coulda? I wish I woulda. I wish I would have invested in Starbucks when it was just a fledgling little coffee company. I could have, I should have, I would have, I could have, I could have. I could have spent $100 and it would have been worth $100,000 by now in Starbucks. I'm serious. In 1980 or somewhere around there, a friend came to me and said, hey, there's this little coffee company. It's starting up, but I think it's going to really be big. They're going to have coffee stores all over the place, and you need to invest in it. And I said, who's going to do that? <laughs> Same thing happened with Microsoft. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. Now that same friend comes to me and says, don't you wish you woulda? Shame, shame, shame. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt helpless? 
I remember when I was about five, and it's a vague memory, but I remember it because it's affected me ever since. I have this, um, I'm very claustrophobic. And uh, when I was five, I was at the Santa Monica Beach, and there was this um, <clears throat> culvert that came out into the beach, and the water would wash up into the culvert, and then it would go out. And when it went out, it would create a, whirl, a, a, a whirlpool. And I was playing too close to that, and I got caught in that whirlpool. And I remember going under the water, and I just remember being swirling down, and I'm s splashing all over the place. I didn't really know how to swim, and I was splashing all over the place, trying to find my breath, trying to get... And I remember going underwater and couldn't get out of it. And I didn't know what side was up or down or sideways. And uh, finally, I felt this, this hand reach in and grab me and pull me out. And it was just this, this, this water that, that, as it went out, it, it created that whirlpool right around that culvert. And I got caught up in it, and it took a, a lifeguard to save me. Now I'm tremendously claustrophobic. I, I've talked about my fear of uh, pit bulls. I'm also afraid of water. I don't like showering with my head under the water for very long. I, I mean, I should say I like showering, but not with my head under the water for very long. I was riding a motorcycle one time when I was a teenager and we were uh, riding motorcycles all the time and, and out in the desert and towards Salton Sea and Indio and those, the, out there in the desert. And I didn't have my motocross bike with me. I was riding my grandpa's like 1950 motorcycle and I was trying to ride it like I would my, my uh, motocross uh, motorcycle. And, and so I was riding it flying across the desert. My brother was ahead of me um, on his motocross bike, and I hit this, this rut, and when I hit the rut, I just went, the, the, the shocks just kind of bottomed out, and we, I bounced up, and the bike, uh, the foot peg went in my side, and I landed on the ground, and the bike, uh, the, the exhaust pipe for the motorcycle landed right on the crease of my arm right here, and I was laying on the ground, and all I could hear was this tss, a refried Mexican right there. <clears throat> And um, I, could, I could just feel it burning, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have the strength. It hurt too much to push, and I didn't have the strength, so I just laid there until my brother came back, and I remember him pulling the motorcycle off me, and uh, we immediately went to the doctor and all that kind of stuff. But um, it was crazy, this helpless feeling of not being able to do anything about this thing that's hurting me. And then all of a sudden, my brother comes in and pulls that motorcycle off. I think too often we think that it's all up to us. You know, when, when, when we're in a helpless situation or we're, we're in a woulda, coulda, shoulda situation where we, we think uh, we, the reason we didn't do the, the investment is because I was afraid of being irresponsible with my money. And as a result, I was afraid. I, I, I didn't do what most smart people would have done and at least put a little bit of money in there and see what happens. We get afraid of things. We stop because we don't know what the result will be. And we think that the result is all up to us. It's all up to us. And if we don't do something, then we're saying to ourselves, I must be a superhero because if I'm not a superhero, then I can't do anything because I can't follow through or I can't create the result that I'm hoping for. When we want to believe that God could do something great through us, 
we don't ask, why not us? We kind of say, who am I? Why, why, would, why would that happen through me? Why, why would that happen? We, we, we don't act because we don't share our faith story because we're afraid. If, if I share my faith with a friend, then I'm going to turn that friend off to Jesus. Or I'm going to mess up the story. Or I'm going to say something wrong about Jesus. Or I'm gonna, we, we, we freeze because we're afraid that the result won't be what we want. And we think the result is all up to us. I don't give because I'm afraid that if I, do, if I give, then God, then I won't have enough. We think we can't afford to give when really we can't afford not to give. I hesitate to serve because I don't have anything to give. I'm not specifically skilled or talented or able. And really, you just need to be available, not able. I don't want to try a skill role because I'm not skilled. All, all these technological guys up here and all these things that they do and the cameras and all that, all that, oh, I couldn't do that because I don't have skills. You just need to be available. God will give you the ability. And we'll train you. And all those things, when, when we are open to the heart uh, of, of God and we say, God, whatever you want, then the result will come. We kind of want the, the result to happen before the action happens. We want the blessing before the giving. We want the, the, the result of, of, of seeing the church explode without the action. It doesn't happen that way. God responds to faith. And when faith is exercised, then the result comes. And that's the power of what God wants to do in our hearts and our lives today. I want to share a story with you that where somewhat somebody, Moses, thought he was, he needed to be Superman. He needed to be the superhero. Moses was given the responsibility to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And you're going, you're going to like, I, I know where you're going right now in your mind. You're going, really? I'm not Moses. I don't have a responsibility to lead anybody into the promised land. Well, that's not accurate. If you have a circle of influence, if you have one person that you have influence in their lives, you have the calling of, of Moses on your life to lead them into the promised land where Jesus will save them. Everybody in this room, if you have a friend, if you have a, an enemy, it doesn't matter. You've been called, you've been assigned, you've been commissioned, you've been given the great commission to make a disciple. So Moses was given the responsibility and already in the, up to this point in his story, he's seen the Red Sea split. He's, he's, seen, uh, he's spent time with God on the, on the mountain. He's done all kinds of great things and um, <clears throat> we find him at this place called the Desert of Zin. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the Desert of Zin and they stayed at Kadesh, or Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Miriam was Moses' sister. But Kadesh, Kadesh, was a place where um, it was normally kind of like an oasis. It was like a place where a lot of water was. But in this time, in this place, there wasn't. Verse 2 says, now there was no water. This is Numbers 20, verse 1 and 2. Now there was no water for the community. 
And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. What? It's like, what are you thinking? Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Let's just give this little passage a little bit of thought for just a moment. Isn't it interesting that when things aren't going right, we want to go back? And, and, and we want to go back to a place, in this case, they want to go back to slavery. They call this place a place, of, a terrible place. But they want to go back to a better place in their heads. At least we had water and food, right? So let's go back to slavery. Isn't it interesting that quite often when we end up in adversity and when we end up in terrible places, we want to go back to a place that even it was bad then, but it's not so bad now. And the reason we want to go back is because we don't see God involved. But we have to understand God is always involved always involved. God will often lead us into places where only he can get us out of. Where only he can do the work that needs to be done. God will often lead us into places where he has to be the one that shows up. And he always will. Always. I don't think that's an exaggeration. I don't think that's a, a, a thing that's, that, that's, well, pastor, you're just being a little bit um, hyperbole, you're using big words or you're ex expanding on it. No, he will always be there. Always, wherever he leads us, he will always help us. In verse 6, it goes on to say, Moses and Aaron went to the, from the assembly, from the group of people who were complaining, to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Great response to adversity, right? Pray, pray, pray. Pray about everything. You hit adversity, the first thing to do is go spend time with the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff, his, his um, shepherding staff, and you, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so, that, so they and their livestock can drink. And so God was very specific. They're meeting with God. I love the Old Testament where you know, God's always speaking. He's always talking to people. How often do we get into a prayer moment and God speaks to us like that? Trust me, if you read his word every day, if you spend time and, and just be sensitive to his spirit, he will speak to you. He wants to. He's sitting on the edge of his seat going, I can't wait to spend time with you today. Oh, you went to the news. I can't wait to hang out with you. You're up, you're up. Oh, good. You wanted breakfast first. There's nothing wrong with breakfast or the news. There's just who, who gets first attention. So they go and they speak with God and God tells them what to do. And he gives them the, the specific instruction. I believe this about our, our relationship with God. We don't need self-confidence. 
We need God confidence. When you know God says something, you really don't have to trust yourself. You don't have to be the superhero. When you have specific instructions from God and God's given you the, the, the confidence in Him to know that He is the one directing your life. He's the one guiding your steps. He's the one helping you in the direction that you need to go. That's when you can have confidence. When you're, it's all up to you, you are Spider-Man. And you're going to mess it up. There's times in my life where I've messed up things so bad. I think I've got it. I understand what needs to happen. I'm just wa- work, working on my own talent, my own skill, my own experience. I didn't spend time with God. I didn't go to Him and ask Him for wisdom or insight or seek out wisdom or insight from others. And, and I didn't do any of that. And as a result, it's just a big mess. Done that too many times to count. You'd think I'd learn my lesson. Hopefully by now I'm, I am. But we, need, we don't need self-confidence. We need God-confidence. Now there's a problem with Moses right now. He's ticked. He's upset. He's frustrated. These people are whining. They're complaining. They want to go back to Egypt. They're, they're saying, why didn't we die with our brothers? How, how, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever gotten to that point where you're just frustrated and you kind of complain and whine? And it's not going your way. You don't like what it feels like. You don't like where, where it's going. You don't see God involved in this. You're blaming the leaders. You're bl- maybe your football team. It's all Pete Carroll's fault. The Seahawks aren't in the Super Bowl this year. That's kind of the way we look at it. It's kind of the way we handle things sometimes. We want to go back to Egypt? At least slavery, at least we had food and water. We got beat all the time. But at least we had water and food. Verse 9, So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assemblies together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Did God say to Moses, speak to the people? He didn't, did he? And Moses spoke to them and said to them, listen, you rebels. (laughs) God didn't say do that. God didn't say condemn the people. God didn't say speak to the people. Who did he say to speak to? He said, speak to the rock. Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, we Must we bring you water out of this rock? We, being Aaron and Moses. Must we? When did that language start? When did that language start for Moses where it's like, hey, I'm here. It's all about me. This is what was happening in Aaron's heart, or or Moses' heart. And then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Boom, boom. Did he speak to the rock? No. He took it upon himself because he was angry with the people. He was frustrated with the people. He was doing just almost the opposite of what God was asking him to do. And instead of speaking to the rock, he spoke to the people and he struck the rock with his staff. He'd already done this once before in another miracle that happened in the desert. 
So he must have thought to himself, hey, I'm the superhero. I'm the deliverer of the Israelites. The results are really up to me. I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to do it my way. Boom, boom. What happens? Water comes out of the rock. Why? Because God is more concerned about the people of Israel than Moses. And he shows grace to the people of Israel and gives them the water that they need. But what happens with Moses and Aaron? That's the scary thing. Moses speaks to the people. Moses sees himself as the water provider. Moses struck the rock rather than speaking to it. And what happens? He ends up becoming the goat. Not the greatest of all time. But the goat, the the bad part of the story. Verse 12, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Wow, Moses was called to bring all the people into the promised land, and now he doesn't even get to step foot into the promised land because he disobeyed. He thought it was up to him. He thought the results were his. He got angry and a little uptight and ticked off and he got mad at the people and he said, I'm just going to do it my way. Right after he heard God say, take your staff, gather the people, speak to the rock where God would get the glory. Instead, Moses goes and speaks to the people and hits the rock seeking the glory for himself and dishonors God. As a result, that sin cost him and Aaron not to be able to take the people into the promised land. We can't be superheroes. We have to do what God wants us to do and leave the result to Him. Amen? We can't be the, the, the people who says, I don't like the way that's coming down. I don't like the way that sounds. I don't like the way that feels. I'm going to take it upon myself. And all that, and, and what we could do and what most of us do is, oh, I'm not even going to hit the rock. I don't know if that's going to work again. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know what... And we make excuses not to do something instead of to do something. Instead of saying, God is able to bring water out of that rock, I'm going to do exactly what he tells me to do, we don't do anything. This is the problem in the church today. This is the problem in the church. In church history, some people are saying this is the most unproductive church um, generation ever. Because we're not following and doing things in faith. We come to church. We hang out. We love each other. We love the music. We love the word. We want the word to kind of come in, but we don't let it out. We don't put feet to it. We just let it kind of come in and soak in, and then it stays there. And I know that's hard preaching, and that sometimes that's not the, the most warm, fuzzy feeling type of talk, but that's the reality. We are, the church, the national church, the, the, the church in America is in decline. What's crazy is all these mega churches are, are popping up, and they're getting bigger and bigger, and which is... An amazing thing. It sounds great, but all the little churches are getting smaller and smaller. And the church isn't growing. We're not reaching more people 
We're not keeping up with even the, the, the acceleration in population. Why? Because we're making excuses not to do something instead of doing something. I believe this church, Journey Church, is going to be a church that does something. It's going to act in faith. It's going to do whatever God calls us to do, no matter how strange it may seem, no matter what kind of experience or inexperience we have, we're going to do what God asks us to do. We're not going to do our own thing. We're not going to get mad at the world and say, oh, I'm just going to go and do my own thing. No, we're going to do exactly what God at least puts on our heart. I'm not saying that we're going to hear him perfectly every time, but I'm praying I'm praying hard that God would just do everything to empower us and to move us beyond the, 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 uh, the average and get us to that, that place where we're saying, why not us? God, God is the one in control. God is the one that's empowered us. God is the one capable of doing something great. Let's get involved in what God wants done. Amen? Amen. In a book called How Not to Save the World, uh, Hosanna Wong says this. She says, when we see ourselves as saviors, we can start finding our identity in the outcome of what we do. At times, seeing ourselves as greater than we are, basking in the success of our achievements, and overly self-assured in our savior-like abilities. When we begin to see ourselves, we begin to have confidence in ourselves, and that's when it goes wrong. We need to understand that our confidence comes from the power of God. Listen to this next story in 1 Samuel 17. You know it. It's the, it's the story of David and Goliath. But listen to his language. In 1 Samuel 17, 4, 41, it says, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was... A little more than a boy, glowing, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. I think um, Goliath had a little self-image issue. He didn't like how handsome he was. He said to David, "Am I a dog that you come out that you come at me with sticks?" One of the things that might be true about a Goliath is he had a vision problem, and all he saw was the doubles doubles of the stick uh, or the staff that David had in his hand. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild, wild animals. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you with a sling and a stone. Did he say that? No. He said, I come against you in the name of of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. A little, little violent. <laughs> this very day I will give the carcasses to, of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, I love that one phrase. If you highlight anything in your, in your phone or in your, in your Bible, highlight it this. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. I want the whole world to know that there is a God in Ventura. Come on. <clears throat> All those gathered here will, here will for the battle, 
all those gathered here will, I'm sorry, all those gathered here will for the battle is the Lord's. Something's missing there. And he, something's wrong with that. (laughs) That's not reading right. But (laughs) all those will know that the battle is the Lord's. That's what David is trying to say right there. I don't know what happened. To the, to the text, but, um, and he will give you into my hands. That This is the, the language that we need to use and understand, that the, we never fight a battle on our own. We never fight it on our own power. We never fight it with our own attitude or, or opinions. We go in the name of Jesus Christ, and we declare victory will be won. The miracle wasn't in the sling and the rock. It was in the obedience of David. It was in the obedience of David. It was very likely that the army had sling and rock throwers because that was a very common position in battle in those days. It was a weapon of war. But David had the faith to go and fight the giant. It was in faithfulness as of a young boy with a very specific set of skills that he went and did what only God could do, and that was defeat that uh, giant and give the rest of the army faith to chase down the Philistines and ruin their day. The whole world will know there is a God in Israel. The whole world knew that day that God was in charge. Not David, not a sling and a stone, but God. And that's what we want. We don't want superheroes that take upon themselves the results of anything. We want to know that there are faithful people that are willing to say, I'm, I'm, I may not be able, but I'm available to do whatever God is calling us to do. That way, the whole world will know that God is in Ventura. That he is here to make a difference. The tagline to our series is living a God-sized life. I believe God wants to do something bigger than we are. Bigger than we are even collectively. He is a God who is bigger than we are. He's a God who's bigger than, than Journey Church Ventura as we stand now. But he's also a God who wants to make us bigger in the sense of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we do that and we make them into disciples, then they become disciples and they make disciples. And it goes on and on and on. And God becomes a very real force in our community. Today is not a call to action of apathy, where we sit back and wait for God to do something. This is where we go to prayer. We say, God, people are in our community that need Jesus. People are in our community that need to know that Jesus loves them, and we have to do something. And the first thing we learn from Moses, even, is to pray. David was already connected to God, and God said, go fight the the, the giant, and he did. We must find God's will and purpose. I believe our vision is that. It's a response to our children. It's a response to our youth. It's a response to our community, to, to find places in our community to make a difference. I believe that what God is calling us to do is to act and to do something that will make a difference in our world today. Not to sit on our hands, not to make excuses, not to go, oh, I can't because I don't know. Not because I can't because I'm, I, I'm afraid. No, the result is God's. 
The action is up to us. We have to do something. There has to be an invitation to a friend to say, hey, would you like to come to church? Or, hey, has anyone ever explained to you how much Jesus loves you? Let me tell you my story. All of us, we don't need training to do that one right there. You know how much Jesus loves you, or at least most of us do. And if you don't in this room, if you don't online, we're happy to explain it to you that he loves you more than you can imagine. There's action that has to happen, and we can't make excuses. We have to say, why not us? And leave the results to God. When we do things for him, he's the superhero. He's the one that does the impossible. He's the one that goes and reaches the unreachable. He's the one that heals the sickness. He's the one that delivers the one that the addict. He's the one that sets free the, the, the captive to, to any addiction. He's the one that heals and puts back the marriage. He's the one that saves the lost child. He's the one. We just have to be faithful. We just have to be faithful. Our biggest failure is thinking that the results are up to us. They're not. Just like David, the battle is the Lord's. I'm just here to throw a rock. What happens after that is up to God. Isn't that great? Doesn't that take the load off? Doesn't that let us put ourselves in a place of hope instead of loss? Yeah. Why not you? Why not me? Why not us? All these opportunities are waiting for us to act. And so right now, I want to act. I want to ask you, if you need prayer, if you need a miracle, the result isn't up to me to do something for you. The result is what the Bible tells us is to pray. Lay hands on the sick and they will be healed in the name of Jesus. God's, that's God's business. I'm going to be faithful and we will be faithful. There are other people in our, uh, in our congregation, our, our board, that will come and pray with you. And we're just going to pray in faith, believing that God's going to do something for you. He'll give you a healing and a power and a miracle. And he'll touch you one way or another. The result is God's. Amen? The result is up to him. And so today, as the band leads us in worship and as the band continues to help us, I want you to feel free to come up here and we're just going to take a brief moment to pray with you in faith that God is going to touch you at your point of need whatever that may be if it's health if it's if it's financial if it's emotional if it's marriage whatever it may be we're just going to pray in faith and believe and then we're going to hear the stories we're going to hear the moment that God touched you and ministered to you and answered your prayer Amen? Amen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Will you stand? Let's worship. And as we begin to worship, if you feel the need to come down here, if you're, you're, you got a stronghold in your life, you got a miracle you need, just come and we're going to pray and believe that God is going to do some, something powerful right now. Hallelujah. Spirit was moving over the water. Spirit, come move over us. 
open up the gates that heaven on that is the truth that you're all we want you're all we want and I believe Lord that today you have already worked miracles I believe that you have already provided miraculously I believe that you are already ahead of us 
God, in everything that was prayed, we pray in faith, believing that you are a miracle worker, that you are able to do above and beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. Lord, I pray that everybody would walk out of here with faith today, Lord, knowing that it's not just why not us, but it is us. We are the ones who will act and believe and trust not in our ability, but in your ability. Not believe that the result is up to us, but that the result is up to you. Lord, we're just simply uh, called to be available and able to act in your name. And when we do, we know that you will do great things, that you will bring people to salvation, that you will heal marriages, that you will set people free from addictions. God, that you will give hope to the hopeless, and you will give help to the helpless. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So God, I thank you and praise you for everything you're doing today. May you be glorified and exalted. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And amen.